And welcome to AQ's Blog and Grill. Today we are really excited to have Larry Kim with us. Now Larry Kim is the founder of WordStream. He's also a graduate of the University of Waterloo and he's going to share a little bit of his history about how did he go from a young person from Winnipeg, Manitoba to the University of Waterloo and now lives in Boston and is the founder and CTO of uh, WordStream. So it's going to be an interesting chat. Please uh, stick with us and welcome Larry. Hey, thanks, Alan. Thanks so much for having me. It's well, great to be here. Excellent. Good show. Now, Larry, this whole thing about coming from Winnipeg to the University of Waterloo, how did that happen? How, how did you get here? Uh, you know, Waterloo has those uh, Canadian math competitions and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a recruiting magnet for for, uh, uh-huh. for engineering and, and, and science. Uh, so, you know, it, it did okay in those and, and was able to, to get in on those um, uh, through, through, I, I guess it was those scores, but, um, but really, uh, everyone else was doing it. Basically, all the the science nerds and, <laughs> math, and math nerds were going there. So it's just like kind of, I just okay. went. Okay. So, were you in the co-op program at U of W? I think you were. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mostly learned what not, what I wasn't interested in, <laughs> right. uh, which is sometimes just as important as figuring out what what you're interested in. Absolutely. Uh, you know. What were two of your highlights from the co-op program? Oh God! Like working in California and Silicon Valley during nice. like the you know dot com period was uh, was well it was pretty infectious and, and it kind of gets you with a bug yeah. to want to start up a startup for, for your own and and and, uh, and actually it, it actually happened. There you go. So you started uh, WordStream in two thousand nine. Uh, a bit before like maybe two thousand and seven or eight. Okay. There like. So how, how did you go from, uh, you know, the successful academic career at U of W and then you decide you're, you're going to open your own business? How, how did that transpire? What inspired you? Uh, first of all, uh, if you attend like Larry Smith lectures at UW, uh, you, you know, every, you're inspired to create some kind of a business some point in your future. You just don't necessarily know, right. know when. So, so like to start off like I'm, I'm like always thinking like how am i gonna start something uh you know and, and then usually the opportunity just like falls into your lap somehow like you you just stumble across it and then you th- you decide like hey wait a minute there, maybe there's something here or maybe i should quit my job and, and, and do do this go all in and so uh basically like a lot of uw students uh with background in software engineering and all that stuff i was just doing software at a company and that company asked me to do some work on their marketing campaigns ah. so in this case Google AdWords, uh, and I set up some campaigns for them, and uh, basically uh, software, it's like, you know, there's no incremental cost, like you, once you, st- you make it, you can just sell lots of them, right. uh, so, uh, you know, I, I set up some campaigns for them, and, and, and the, their business went from like, you know, 300,000 a month to 3 million a month, okay, uh, and I was like, wow, this is really powerful, I should probably, you know, uh, maybe specialize in this other thing, <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, I, I just, you know, quit the job, and uh, found a bunch of clients and, 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 and started doing that kind of, you know, search marketing, uh, consulting work, uh, you know, but even, even though that has nothing to do with like the engineering background. Uh, but what, what, what was interesting was that like, because I'm lazy, uh, I wrote software programs to make my own life easier, okay. you know, so, 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 so that I didn't have to do the same dumb <laughs> consulting work over and over and over. I just wanted to do like run a program and, and, and have that done. And then right. the, the aha moment was like, wait a minute, you know, maybe other companies might want to buy this thing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's this notion of bootstrapping. You kind of need money to make money mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and uh, the thing was uh, I had 
you know, a dozen clients paying, you know, five to $10,000 a month. So I had revenue coming in. Uh, and so at that point it was just like, well, maybe I should just pivot the business from being a services company to being mm-hmm. a software company. Right. Uh, and, and so using the money from, from doing consulting revenue by day, uh, I was writing software by night uh, to, to, to kind of build something. And, and uh, you know, the company is now employs hundreds of people. We've got tens of thousands of customers and manage, you know, about half a billion dollars of, of ad revenues uh, in, in, in worldwide. It's, uh, you know, 1% of every dollar made by Google uh, is, is actually managed by my company. So, uh uh, so Yay. that's basically the the story there. I mean, it doesn't have. It's not a rocket ship straight line. I mean, like yeah. I, I, I'd say most of the growth happened in the last like three or so years. Okay. I mean, you gotta understand. Like six years ago, it was just myself working out of a, a Panera Bread. I don't know if you right. have those in. Yes, in, we in, do. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of the free Wi-Fi and, and unlimited <laughs> Diet Coke refills. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting journey. Uh, usually, it, my understanding is usually it doesn't work, but it's nevertheless. Uh, you know, a, a, a interesting endeavor, especially if, if you're, you're kind of like you know, the fortunate enough to, to have, have you know, made it or, 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 or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think this, I think this, the story is now, and I tell my students this is, you know, it's, it's not the harder you work, the luckier you get. It's the smarter you work, the luckier you get. And, you know, sometimes it just comes down to guys, I know you're holding all nighters and things, but Activity does not equal achievement. Like, start to get some priorities over what really matters and, and work on those first. Yeah, just uh, latching on to what you said there, um, it's not the number of hours, uh, it's kind of what you do. And, and I can tell you, like, uh, th- roughly th- three months of work uh, is responsible for the growth of this company. Um, you know, just three months out of six or seven years. Yeah. Uh, it, it basically, it was this notion that we would build a um, a tool called the AdWords Grader. Okay, it, it was just like a a tool that will analyze your account, your AdWords account, and tell you how you're doing, and like in terms of your click through rates and your cost per clicks, and then compare you like to your neighbors, to your competitors, basically. Right. Uh, and and, and um, you know, just doing that one thing, you know, it just makes people like very competitive. It makes them more urgent. Like I need to fix my results, and then they, yes. they basically it, it. We went from like a you know two or three month sales cycle to like a you know two or three week or actually one or two week sales cycle and now we're selling you know hundreds of these things every every month um you know just like it, it's it's so, it's so true it's like you know one percent of the work made all the difference wow. you know so what's your what's your relationship now what what's the relationship between wordstream and uh and google well we're very close partners uh you know we we present at you know their company events and mm-hmm. like in terms of like their their employee meetings and stuff like this right. um uh, they're they're a really big company, so um, you know obviously they like to focus more on like the big spenders mm-hmm. uh, because there's millions and millions of advertisers. It's hard to have um, you know direct relationships with every every single uh, small business, right. and so what what we bring to them is scale. Like we're able to to work with thousands of, of advertisers uh, using technology that that they don't have. Right? Is it is it going is it kind of like co-opertition? Um, are they ever going to Turn around and say, "Well, we could be taking WordStream's business if we wanted to." You know, I think we're moving in different directions. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, let's see if I can give you an analogy. So, imagine if you had three million. Uh, so, I don't know, ten million Canadians filing taxes. Okay. Right. 
uh, uh, you know, and, and what if there was only one way to file the taxes for all 10 million people? And what if they designed it only for, uh, like very, very rich people? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then, you know, a lot, that would be a, a very fantastic, uh, you know, uh, user experience for, you know, the rich people, but right. uh, might be potentially a little bit confusing for, uh, less sophisticated, smaller returns. Right. Uh, and so I think the direction that, you know, uh, you know, Google is, is, is moving and is, is towards making you know because so much of their revenue comes from their their top clients right. uh like they, they want to move up market and then make it this thing really really powerful for for enterprises um and then you know we're trying to make something like a turbo tax like a kind of yeah. an idiot proof way of, of of doing this advertising it, it's it's kind of moving the opposite direction so i guess the opportunity exists because there's so many million users of this ad platform and right. only one way to use it right now you see what i'm saying yeah Excellent. Now, Larry, re- just recently, as a matter of fact, it might have been, well, it was, it was recently, you, you posted a blog about um, the, the five entrepreneurial myths and, and, and busting them. It talked about what you expected and what you didn't get uh, when you thought you were going to become an entrepreneur and thought you were going to get as one and it didn't come true. You know, I know the first one was, uh, hey, I'm going to be my own boss. Right, right. Uh, so many people like to turn their hobbies into into businesses, but like even like I used to love doing search marketing, but now it's just a chore. You know, it's like when when it becomes work, it's I don't know, it loses the the fun, uh, and, and especially when you're doing it on so many thousands of accounts. Um, right. And, and of course, uh, you know, you, you never really are the boss. Your customers are your boss. You know, your investors are, are your boss. So, so like it, the, the, the control and being a boss, I think, I think that's, uh, I mean, unless it's a lifestyle business, like where, you know, where you're, but like if you're trying to build something with scale and, and, and huge enterprise value, I, I think that's a myth. That's an interesting little insight into venture capitalism, uh, which is sometimes referred to as vulture capitalism. <laughs> And I know in working at the Accelerator Center, uh, which is connected to the University of Waterloo, and then with the entrepreneurial students that I have, it, it you have to kind of explain that, that Series A money is not, you don't, you don't just find it. It, it. it isn't laying there waiting for you. There, the, the bootstrapping is still one of the prerequisites uh, of getting your business some sales. Absolutely. Although, so so that's the beauty of of, of going from um, you know a service productizing a service. So you have that nice service revenue, then you can divert you know some of that to, to building this like escape vehicle that, that <laughs> then you know takes off on its own. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so you'll have to bootstrap and, and and basically get into a position where you don't need the money anymore, to, and then then you'll get your Series A basically. Right, yeah. uh, but but the the exception to this is if you've done it before. So. Uh, you know, having you know built a company and 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 um, uh, you know, yeah, with with huge enterprise valuations, you know, north of whatever eight figures or whatever. So the the, the point is, um, if if you make a lot of money for your investors, uh, then the second time through, uh, they'll be open to just throwing money at you. Uh, you know, even if you haven't bootstrapped anything, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, I'm, yep, we see it happen, Larry. Maybe you could just give our, our young entrepreneurs uh, the benefit of, of your experience. What are, what are the three things that you would advise uh, them to be thinking about? What should their um, frame of reference be as they start their businesses? What would you advise them to be doing and thinking about? You know, so much is thought about, talked about um, 
you know, how to build a business, but maybe not enough attention is spent on, uh, you know, should or why yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, should I build a business? And so I think you really have to be honest with the, with your uh, expectations. Uh, and, and like, so we're just talking about being your own boss. Uh, you know, I'm definitely telling you like you're, <laughs> you're, you're deluding yourself. Uh, that is not true. You're going to have a board and customers that they're more demanding uh, than, than just, you know, having a regular job where you can go home. Uh, you know, another uh, reason why a lot of people do this is, is uh, you know, for the money, of course. Uh, myself, uh, like, uh, I thought this would be like a get-rich-quick thing, but uh, I'd encourage your students to think about it as more of a, like, rather than money being the primary objective, of course, we hope, all hope to make tons of money and everyone would be happy, uh, but, you know, I'd think of, like, uh, the value as being kind of uh, the journey in terms of, like, the people you'll meet, mm -hmm. uh, the, the skills you build, uh, and, you know, most people don't make uh, make it on their first try, uh, so, uh, you know, not necessarily looking at that as failure, but as, like, your MBA or something like that. Right, yeah. uh, uh, so uh, another uh, kind of area, um, uh, this notion of, like, uh, sometimes people will, will 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 go into entrepreneurship because they feel like they have nothing else to lose, yeah. you know, like uh, like I've got you know, nothing else going on or whatever. But it's like one thing I, I realize here is uh, having done this is that, um, and especially like the first you know three or four years, like I, like we weren't we weren't you know killing it or anything. We were right. just getting by, if you will. So I uh, just want make sure people know you definitely have something to lose uh your pride uh you know because uh, like when you're when you're doing this you know people will ask you how's that startup going and, and, <laughs> and you'll be like uh, uh -huh. it's like we're struggling yeah. um, you know you know and and, and and um you know there there's naysayers out there and then like they even um you know they even want you to fail it's kind of sad well i'm i'm wondering uh, you know at 3 30 in the morning I don't know if, if you as an entrepreneur have ever experienced, and I'm sure you have, waking up at 3.30 in the morning and saying, I don't know if I can make payroll next Friday. Oh, uh, on two occasions, uh, we were near death. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, there was it was uh, kind of touch and go uh, early on. Yeah, and, and so what got you out of bed in a positive way uh, after that cold sweat that you went through it? 3.30. Was it something about what Larry Smith said? Was it something about, you, you know, the work ethic that maybe your family instilled in you or this, you know, um, need to succeed? What was it? I think it's just a, a sense of obligation to your investors. Uh -huh. I mean, you're, when you, geez, I've raised tens of millions of dollars here uh, of investor money, and I'm personally promising them, like, you know, big returns, like venture size returns, five, 10x their money. And, and, um, and I'm like trying to, trying to um, make good on those promises. You see what I mean? And, and, yeah. and um, you just have the weight of, of, of expectations on your shoulders. Right. Uh, the more, the more you raise, the more you're on the hook for in terms yeah. of returns. And that, that's kind of what motivates you. Okay. So, just as we close up, what were the highlights for you as a uh, as a student at, and a, a resident of the of University of Waterloo and Waterloo, Canada? Yeah, the, the thing that we used to do is like go to Best Buy. <laughs> it's like Best Buy. Well, believe it or not, there there was like a revolution happening in personal computing at the time, and like there would be new like new printers and new CD burners and all this stuff. It was it was kind of a big deal going all the way to to to. Um, uh, Out to Kitchener Fairway Road. Kitchener, yes, yes. That was like quite a hike. You know? Folks at home, 
we have, we're interviewing a very successful nerdy guy from the University of Waterloo who used to spend his free time at Best Buy checking out the new printers. <laughs> CD burners, it was a big deal. Remember those things? Oh, yes. Oh, I have one. I still have one. But, uh, well, Larry, thank you very much for spending time with us today. It was uh, very generous of you to uh, allow us into your, uh, into your busy, uh, busy schedule. And our, I know the entrepreneurs are going to really enjoy this and, be, and find some real value. So thanks again, and uh, thanks for being a guest at AQ's Blog and Grill. Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Have okay. a great afternoon. Thanks, Larry. Q's Blog and Grill.